Here's some verses for you, because otherwise you're not going to get what these words mean or the context of them, and, uh, and there's a lot of truth in that. So John chapter number 2, John chapter number 2, I don't know about you guys, I am excited about this time of year. And not just, you know, uh, listen, if I hear Mariah Carey's uh, whatever song again, I'm going to blow my brains out, all right? I, that is my absolute, like, least, no, I'm probably going to offend somebody, least favorite Christmas song of all time is All I Want for Christmas is You. Because I, I think, about the, think about the lines, though. Here's what she says, I don't want a lot for Christmas, I just want you. But what, do you what does that say to the person you're singing to anyways? You're a loser. I guess since I can't get anything else, I want you, you know? So anyways, John chapter, we get, get, let's get back to the Bible. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses here, uh, starting in verse number 4. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, again, if you're not familiar, familiar with the chapter, um, the, the Bible says that the mother of Jesus uh, came to him and said they have no wine in verse 3. So his response uh, was not, let me drop everything I'm doing. It kind of, kind of, it almost, if you're not careful, you might think he's being disrespectful. He's not. But there is a, a distancing, or maybe, I'll put it this way, a, a, an expression of priority. An expression of priority. And uh, what I mean by that is, uh, uh, you know, his mom comes in and says they have no wine. His response is, uh, mine hour is not yet come. In other words, um, I'm not sure that I'm going to do this right now. Now, you, you kind of notice that she doesn't, like, fight him on this. Uh, a matter of fact, look at verse number five. She just says to them, whatever he says, you better do it. Amen. That's a, by the way, that's a great response to life. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Amen. Uh, but but in, in verse number six, it goes through the, the rest of the story about turning the water to wine. Now, look, we spend a lot of time talking about old wine, new wine. Uh, was this alcohol or was it not? Uh, we're not going to revisit all of that. We went through that for uh, an entire lesson, maybe a lesson and a half. So if you missed it, go back and watch it. But I, I do want to point out here. Uh, that when Jesus says this, uh, woman, what have I to do with thee? Verse 4, mine hour is not yet come. Uh, this is the same thing, that, the same word, the same title that he gives to a woman at the well. Go to John chapter 4, just a little bit to the right. John 4, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 21. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Now, uh, look at verse 27. J- just so you know, this was not like a, a uh, I don't know how to put this. She was not like, I don't know, Sunday school teacher material. Can I leave it at that? All right. If you read the passage, the, the Jesus goes, uh, uh, he, he's, he's talking to her and she says, I have no husband. And he goes, that was well said, the house, no husband. Thou hast five husbands, right? So this lady's kind of in some trouble. All right. And, and so here he is, and how does he, what does he, he call, he calls a woman. Now you may think, well, that's a derogatory thing. No, it was an expression of, uh, I'm speaking, it'd be like us saying ma'am. Like it's, it's kind of a formal uh, way of expressing I'm a man and you're a woman uh, in those times. Now, at least back then they could tell I'm a man, you're a woman, right? Uh, there was no debate about that. Uh, and, and look, I don't say that, but I need to step aside. When I make comments like this, you need to understand this. I truly and genuinely feel sorry for people that don't know where they're at with that, okay? Uh, but that doesn't mean I need to jump on the crazy train with you, okay? Uh, in other words, look, if someone came here, nah, I should get back to the lesson. It, it, 
I, I, the, the world in which we live is so messed up. When you say things that are just truth, people are like, oh, how dare you? How can you? If I walked in here and said I was a dog, feed me dog food, and you went along with it and gave me dog food, there's something wrong with you. You would be aiding and abetting something that is not right with me up here. And, and so anyways, I'll get back to the lesson. He says, woman, right? In, in other words, in a formal expression of here's me, here's you. And in Jewish culture, when a woman approached a man that was not her husband, it was kind of like a, all right, why are we talking kind of thing. Now, y- y- that's different than our culture, I understand. But when Jesus was saying this, it was, he didn't call her, hey, mom. Hey, hey, he said, woman, what have I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Now, again, it's not a matter of being disrespectful. He was still respectful. Listen, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. If Jesus were being disrespectful, he would have broken that commandment. So that's not what it is. Uh, But it is an expression of priorities. Look at John 19 toward the end of the gospel. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And I think what we're getting set up for here is the idea that um, family does not take the place of God. Family is important. Listen to me very carefully. Family is the second priority outside of your relationship with the Lord. All right? And so, especially if you're married, after Jesus comes your wife or your husband. All right? And then there are the kids. And that's the right order for that. That's a biblical order. But, But let me just say this. Family is not God. Um, I, I think as a reaction to where our culture is at, most families today don't have dinner together. If they do make it to dinner, one kid's on the phone, one kid's, you know, throwing the food. I mean, just we're, it's a mess, right? Uh, you, you got broken homes. You got all these things that are just our society is crumbling apart at the family level. And we see that all around. So what a lot of uh, 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 churches and, and well-meaning Christians have done is they've kind of reacted to that. And they've gone to this extreme where family's everything. You know, like, you know, uh, uh, Junior has a cough. Well, Junior's 18. Does he really need you to stay home? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but, you know, I just, I don't know. It's just like, well, well listen, what's first? Is it family or is it the Lord? Uh, you know, listen, my family's got my, my third cousin's brother's uncle's uh, ex-wife is having a birthday party, and it's on a Sunday morning. I really, it's family, so I got to be there. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like family is important, but family does not uh, take the place or the priority above the Lord. It, it should not. I'll say it that way. Oftentimes it does. And what you find in the life of Jesus Christ is he is the greatest leader of all time. If you've got a boss that tells you to do something and they won't do it themselves or they've never done it themselves, you're probably not very likely to want to follow in that in their footsteps. Does that make sense? Uh, but if you understand that person has been there, they've done that, they've been in the trenches with you, you're like, look, I don't want to do that, but I'll absolutely do it because you have paved the way. So you know what Jesus says? If, you are, if, if, if father or mother is more important to you, you're not worthy of me. Amen. <laughs> well, what does he do first? He expresses to us, hey, my heavenly father was more important than my earthly family. Uh, look at John 19. Look at verse number uh, 26. Clearly... Uh, Jesus did not abdicate his responsibility uh, for his mom. Now, in, in their culture, if dad was dead, it was the firstborn son's responsibility to take care of mom. So even, I love this about the Lord, while he's dying, after his back has been shredded to pieces, after they have slammed a crown of thorns on his head, after they, they changed, the Bible says his, his visage was marred and he had no beauty that we should find beauty in him. And, and you look at this picture of him in Isaiah, the suffering servant, 
and, 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 and the broken uh, uh, body and, and all that he did for us. And while he's hanging there on that cross, you know what he's thinking about? He's thinking about other people. You know what he tells those women that are weeping when he's carrying the cross? Don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Remember that? Uh, listen, when he gets up there, he's talking to a thief on this side and a thief on this side. He's looking at people around him, suffering to an extent that nobody else ever, ever suffered, taking on all the wrath of God and the sin of mankind. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin. And yet, while he's dying, he's thinking of others. Why can't we do that more often? And, and you ever look at it and go, man, I am so stinking selfish. Uh, you know, running a, a few hours of sleep and maybe the baby's coming, maybe he's not, you know, and it's just like, you know, this, this EOR cloud, you know, like the baby's never going to come. The baby ain't going to live there until she's 20, that's for sure. I got a 20-year-old right there. They don't stay inside the womb forever, amen? They will eventually come out. And you, you know what I was thinking about? We walked out of the hospital last night and uh, kind of like, man, I thought we were going to have this baby. And, and, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, I know some people that have been, they've been trying for years, and they haven't had any children. Who am I to complain? Who am I? You know, just, just thinking about the goodness of God, but, but trying to find a way to think of others in the midst of your own problems, isn't that hard sometimes? And, and Jesus did that. What a great example. And notice what he does in verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, that's John, by the way. John's saying that in the third person. And you get to that later on at the end of the, of the book. He saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. He didn't say mom. That's a kind of an interesting thing. He didn't say my mother. He said, woman, behold thy son. Now you go, well, obviously he's caring for her. It's not that he's disrespecting her. Look at Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. And by the way, anytime you feel like you have it the worst or the hardest, I guarantee you, you don't. It's one of the things that the devil does. He convinces you of things so that you start getting in the wrong place in your mind. I, I cannot think of a greater example than Jesus Christ himself. You know, like whenever I talk to people like, oh, it's been a hard weekend or it's a long weekend. And I don't make small of that, make light of that. Um, but, but for the most part, let's just be honest. Most of our problems are first world problems. Amen. Who here doesn't have food today? And if you didn't have food, we'll get you food. Guess why? Because there's food around. Right. Well, who, who, thank God everyone came clothed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Uh, with, with, the Bible says with food and raiment there with be content. Right. Um, look at uh, Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. And uh, look, if you would, at verse 27. Can it pass as he spake these things? A certain woman of the company lifted up her voice. Like some random person just yells something out. It's like it's like church. You know, like someone's you never know what's going to happen when Jesus shows up. And so here's this person, yell, this lady yelling out. Look what she says. Uh, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, yea, look, look at his response. Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Now let me ask you this. Do you think he's slamming his mom? I don't think that. But I do think he's going, yeah, I, I think you're making too much of that. I think you're, you're kind of like attaching too much to the physical side. Let's get back to the spiritual side because you're going to see this. Look, if you would, at Mark chapter number three, that Jesus considers family well beyond blood. Uh, we're adopting our two boys. I'm excited about that. Um, and, uh, but I, 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 I love the idea of adoption because that's what God did with us. Amen. Uh, he made us part of his family. And uh, you're going to notice throughout the Gospels, there's, there's this constant like 
pull for people around there to go, hey, your family, hey, your, fa- your mother and your brothers and sisters, and, and this is going on, that's going on. And, and, and Jesus is always quick to go, yeah, that's important, but this is important-er. Maybe not good grammar, but you understand what I'm saying. This is more important. Look at Mark chapter number 3, and look, if you would, at verse number 32. Mark chapter 3, I'm sorry, go, go to verse 31. There came then his brethren and his mother, clearly in context, these are his physical uh, stepbrothers or foster, whatever you want to call this, uh, 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 but, but in reference to not so much spiritual brethren or brethren of Israel, but rather his family, because that's how some people try to interpret that. But it says his brethren and his mother, standing without sent unto him, calling him. Now, if your family calls you, who comes first, God or family? Right. Now, that's, and again, I'm with you. I'm going, amen, with these guys. Whatever they're saying is right. However, whenever push comes to shove, it can be hard sometimes. Let me give you an example. When, when you've got a child that is doing something that's wrong, and you don't want to embarrass them, and you choose rather than, than embarrassing, you go, you know, you know what? I, and I don't think you have to embarrass your child, but I think you need to address sin when it shows up. You know what parents will do all the time? Yeah, but my kid just got with the wrong crowd. Your kid is the wrong crowd. That's the problem. No one wants to acknowledge that. So guess what? Your kid keeps doing what they're doing, going, well, mom's making excuses for me. Instead of going, hey, you know what? God's first here. Let's address what's going on, junior. By the way, if you're a junior, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pick on you. It's just junior's easy to say, all right? I just realized for the third time you are a junior. I'm not picking on you, all right? Uh, but uh, you, you understand what I'm, what I'm getting at here. How about this one? Um, you know what? I'm invited to this particular event, and I know for a fact my family, when they get together, they're going to get stoned. Do I bring my kids to that party or not? Well, my family's going to think I hate them. <laughs> yeah, James. <laughs> I love the deacon's response. Too bad. <laughs> well, well h- how about this? How about, hey, guys, I love you, but um, there's some things going on there that just, they, they're not my life anymore. I'm a Christian. I don't look down on you. I don't judge you, but I can't be around that anymore. Well, th- then they're going to think you're better than them. Let them think whatever they want. I'm not going to do that just because it would make them feel better. Who do I want to offend, them or God? See, some of you think that God doesn't ever get bothered by anything. Like, he's okay with whatever you do, and it's only people we have to worry about. That's the problem with Christianity today. It's all about people, people, people. Make everybody happy, make everybody happy. Don't offend anybody, but at the risk of offending God. <laughs> Listen, God should come first. Family comes after that. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number... Uh, 32, the multitude said about him, and they said to him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and mother. You know, he, he's talking about this in a, from a spiritual sense, but he's trying to express to you that takes the priority over the physical. And the problem with us as people is because we are confined to a finite system in finite time on a finite planet. We look at everything around us in the physical rather than looking at the eternal and the spiritual. And the Lord is just saying, look, it's not a matter of me disrespecting my mom. It's a matter of me going, you know what? Uh, I love you, but God, the father comes first. And that's how it should be in your life as well. And I think the pattern here is not, again, a pattern of disrespect as much as, look at Luke chapter 2, priority. Look at Luke chapter number 2. There was honor for his mom, but definitely not worship, that's for sure. Uh, 
And you would think, if, if uh, venerating her to the extent that uh, some religions do, you would think that Jesus would have done that. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. He kind of ma- he kind of kind of brings it all back to earth and goes, you know what? You matter. You were important. You were blessed of God. But man, this is more important right now because I'm here to do my Father's will. Right? Look at. And by the way, when you go to the judgment seat of Christ, if you're saved, you will never go to the great white throne judgment. Thank God for that. But you will go to the judgment seat of Christ, and you will give an account of your life. And the Lord's going to judge you not just for what you did, but for the motives behind what you did. The why behind the what. And when the Lord looks at what you did and what you did not do in relationship with him because of family, that's going to be a part of it. Listen, at a certain point, I love my wife, but if, if, if I were to say, hey, this is what we have to do as a family, and she said no, I would say, well, I love you, and, but I'm graciously going to say we need to do this. Now, thank God I've got a good wife that's not going to fight me on that stuff, but if I did, that's the way it should go. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to stand in front of my wife at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to stand in front of my Savior, right? right? So, so, so God, family is important. Matter of fact, next, after God, it's the next thing in line. It's your first priority after your relationship with God. That's very clear. It's been listening. They didn't like what I was saying. Shut up. No. Uh, but what, what I'm getting at is this. In, in regards to your priorities, it should be God first, I uh, recently taught um, our discipleship class about giving and, and tithing and all that stuff. The, one of the main principles out of all of that is God first. It's not even about the, 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 the amount of money. It's God should come first, not second, not third, and definitely not last. Uh, look at Luke chapter 2, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 46. Came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, and they're looking for Jesus, and left him at church. By the way, good lesson there, don't leave Jesus at church, amen? Take him with you when you leave today. Uh, <laughs> that's how that ought to go. Uh, and they found him sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. What, a, what an amazing verse. We should teach our children to listen and to respond to adults. That's an amazing verse. And so Jesus is there as a 12-year-old young man listening to their questions and answering some things. Look at verse number 47. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. So she's referring to Joseph, which we're going to learn about in the morning's message. She said, look, we, we were crying. We were brokenhearted because we thought, can you imagine like the Lord comes to you and the Holy Ghost overshadows you and you give birth to this baby miraculously and the angels are singing and the shepherds are there, you know, and you tell everybody all these wonderful stories and then 12 years later, you lose him. <laughs> can you imagine being like, Lord, I don't know what we did with the son of God. We lost him, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of pressure there and they, they find him and look at the response in verse uh, number 49. He said to them, this is a 12-year-old kid. This is interesting. How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my what? Do you know what you're seeing there? You're seeing a prioritization. It's not the family doesn't matter, but I'm on a mission. I have a certain amount of time that the Lord has given me. And uh, let me just say this. Timing is absolutely everything. Go to John chapter 2 again. I have a certain amount of time, and I cannot afford to waste the time that I've been given by my father on the wrong priorities. Um, You're young once. Don't blow it. Right? 
eventually you get old and your knees start popping and the, you know, the hairs turn white and all that good stuff. You've got to, and, and here's the thing. If you're 16, 17, 18, I don't mean this to pick on you, but you're going to find that life continues to get busier. I mean, Eric, would you say it's busier now than it was, you know, in, in high school? Okay, all right. Looking at getting married, it's going to get busier, all right? Um, so, it, you know, just, that's just the, the nature of life. And so what you do when you're young is you go, I'll do it when I get older. And then when you get older, you go, I'll do it when I'm retired. And then you're retired, you're like, I'm too tired to do it. Retired, I'm just tired. That's all it is, right? And, and so a lot of time is wasted in life because you think I've got more time than I Listen, my family picks on me all the time because I'm like, oh, we got this. We can leave in five minutes. They're like, no, it's going to take 30 minutes. I'm like, no, nah, it'll take five minutes. Me and Cindy were talking about this yesterday. And it's like, no, I'll take, no, 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 no. It's going to take 30 minutes. You got to do this, this. My wife is like, has it calculated down to the second. And it's like, you know, you're, you're going, I've got more time. You really don't have as much time as you think you do. And I, I look at life this way, man. You, you blink and your kids are 20. And you blink and you have a baby when your kids are 20. That's really weird, right? Uh, and, and then you blink again. We were talking about, I'm sorry, this is a little bit of therapy for me. Bear with me. I was talking yesterday with my wife. And I said, you realize it's going to be 20 years before it's this quiet again. The, grandma had taken the boys and Emma to, to sleep over on Friday night. So yesterday morning, we're up. I'm like, man, it seems really awkwardly quiet in the house. And I said, you hear that? She goes, what? I said, silence. I said, we won't hear that for 20 more years. You know? Uh, but, but, but the reality is life moves quick. Moves quick. And, and Jesus was saying, hey, my time is not, my hour is not yet come. I've got a timeline for everything. There's a priority on when I should start, when I should finish, what I should be doing with this time, who I should invest that time with, who I should be having relationships with. All of that matters to the Lord because there's a fixed timeline for your life. You don't know when you're done, but you're going to be done someday. And I guarantee you there's probably in a crowd this size, there's probably somebody who's more than likely. I'm not trying to be morbid, but the reality is someone's probably going to pass before everyone, you know, thinks they're going to live to be like 80, 90 years old. That may not happen for everybody, right? There's a good chance someone's going to pass before they expect that they will. And, and this is a question you've got to ask yourself. What am I doing to make my life count for God? Yeah. You, know, you know, Jesus, for, for him, he's looking at going, I've got a fixed amount of time in which to do my father's business. Uh, look at John chapter number two and notice uh, what he says here. He says, mine hour is not yet come. Mine hour, verse four, is not Yet come. You say, what is he talking about? Well, he mentions this hour, the, the, this idea of having an hour for everything. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. This is an important thing you'll see. The Bible speaks about the times of the Gentiles. Um, that's what we're in right now, by the way, the times of the Gentile kingdoms. Uh, the Bible speaks of the fullness of the Gentiles being come in. In other words, the clock on Gentile rule coming to an end. Uh, during the tribulation, uh, the Bible speaks of the time of Jacob's trouble, and that's clearly a, a time of great tribulation for the nation of Israel. Uh, there, there's a time for everything. Uh, you go over to Ecclesiastes, you might maybe look at it later, but uh, it talks about a time for mourning and a time for dancing and a time for birth and a time for death and a time for this and a time, a time to hate and a time to love. Uh, there's a time for everything. And the problem is, if you're not on God's calendar, you're going to get it all mixed up. Uh, look at uh, John 12 and look at verse number 23. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was tuned in to the Father's calendar. Uh, look, if you would, at verse 23. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come. The hour is come that the Son of Man should be 
glorified. You say, what is he talking about? Well, he, he, he told them before, he was trying to tell his mom, it's not, I, I'm not sure that it's time yet for me to reveal who I am to begin my ministry. My hour has not yet come. That's kind of the idea there. You might remember another place, they, they try to make Jesus a king, and he escapes from that because they're trying to force God's hand. They're trying to say, you know what, if you're the Messiah, let's just do this now. One of the hardest things you're going to face in your life is knowing that God wants something for you, but you taking it out of God's order. That, that can be a huge problem in your life. You might remember Jesus Christ when he's there at the, uh, in the desert, in the wilderness, being tempted of the devil. And the devil comes in and goes, look, here's all the kingdoms of this world. And, and, and if I were to put it in the modern Adrian version, it would go something like this. You know you're going to get this anyways. This is going to be yours someday. It's all yours anyways. Why not take it now? Can you imagine that? The temptation? And you know what Jesus said? You know, Jesus responds with Scripture every single time. But, but what, what I want you to see is that the devil threw something in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ that he knew was his, that he knew that Jesus knew was his, and he tries to get him to take it out of time, out of the right order. And if he would have done that, we wouldn't be here right now. Do you realize that you doing things outside of God's timeline can mess other people's lives up as well? Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter 16. It talks about time and the hour of this and the hour of that. Uh, John chapter 16. By the way, uh, John 12, he's about to start uh, the next chapter. They get into the Lord's Supper and four chapters of him talking with his disciples and talking to the Father. John 17 is like one long conversation between him and his heavenly Father. And, and, uh, and so Jesus in John 12, what we just read, was the hour has come. In other words, we're just about there. It's, it's, it, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to go face. This is why I came. I came to die for your sins. And so he's letting them know the hour is come. We're getting close. Uh, look at John chapter 16. Look at verse number uh, 32. John 16, verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh. Yea, is now come. In other words, it's right here. <laughs> that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone because the Father, what a great verse, because the Father is with me. Everybody left me, but I'm still not alone because my Father is with me. Amen. Amen. That's why, by the way, when he's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's why it hurts so bad. Because up to that point, anytime everyone else had forsaken him, he at least still had the Father. But, but I want to call your attention to the fact that he says to his disciples, the hour is now come. In other words, Jesus was mindful his entire life and ministry of the fact that there's a timeline for everything that's going to happen in my life. You may go, well, I'm not the Messiah. And so there's not a timeline for everything. Let me say it like this. You're not the Messiah, but there are things God wants for your life at a certain time. And if you get them out of order, you can ruin things and the lives of those around you. And I'm not saying you can't find favor with God and you can't ask for forgiveness and God's grace and mercy is still there. I'm not taking away from that, but it doesn't mean there aren't consequences for it. Uh, listen, the Bible says in John 2 or uh, John, uh, yeah, John chapter 2, I think it was, what did we just read? Luke 2, sorry, uh, where they, they left Jesus in the temple. It was a day before they realized that he was gone. It took him three days to get back to him. You know what that shows me? Listen, you get off a little bit on your timeline and it can take you a long time to get back to where you should have been the whole time. So, so the idea is this, listen, do the best you can to listen to the voice of God. Don't get ahead of the Lord. Now, over in the Old Testament, um, Ariana and I were talking about this because of a, uh, a question in one of our classes in school, 
And uh, the, the, the Bible shows us that at the center of the camp of Israel was the ark. That was at the center. And so there at the center was the, the, as the, the tribes would camp around the tabernacle and around the, the ark of God. And that ark was a picture of the presence of God. But when that ark, when it was time for them to move on, that ark was out in front of them. In other words, when you're standing still, he should be at the center. And when you move, you better know it's him leading, not just you doing it yourself. You know how many times people go, I'm marrying this guy, or I'm getting with this girl. It's like, okay, have you prayed about it? Well, I just know I love him. I know it's the right person. Okay, are they saved? Well, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Are they in a good church? Well, it doesn't really matter. You know, we love each other. Okay, fine. And then a year or two years later, it's like, boom, right? Uh, how about this one? I've seen people that go, God's called me to the mission field. And listen, if God's called you to the mission field, you should go. But there's an order to things. When you're 16 years old, you may not be ready to go. God called me to preach when I was 14. It did not mean I had any business pastoring a church. There was an order of events that needed to take place in my life to prepare me for that time. And if you get ahead of God's time, you can make a mess of things. You see it all throughout Scripture. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter 17. Look at verse number 1. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Again, the sensitivity to, to God's timing is important for your life. You, and again, it may be a temptation for us this morning to go, well, I'm not the sinless son of God. How am I going to know? Well, let me ask you this. How many times have you done something without praying about it and go, oh, this was bad? Anybody in the room? Anybody at all? Okay. All right. Thank you, five people that raised your hand. I appreciate that. For the rest of you that have never been in that situation, it's awful. All right. When you know that there's something that God wants from you, but there's a timeline to it, and you move ahead of God, and you go, man, I shouldn't have. I've done it in ministry. I've absolutely done it. And you know what the Lord has taught me? Slow down. I got to go. I got I to do it right now. Listen, there's a time for action. There absolutely is. But if you get ahead of the Lord, boy, you can mess it up. How about this? If you wait forever, you can mess it up. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll have that conversation. I'll talk to that person. I'll, I'll go to church. I'll, I'll, I'll start reading my Bible. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, and eventually it just never happens. You say, what is that? Timing. Timing is everything. Look at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. There's an hour associated with that final Passover. Luke chapter 22. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 13. And Pilate. When he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I having examined him before. That is not the right chapter. No, it is not. I thought to myself, this is not it. Look at verse, sorry, chapter, let's go to the right chapter. Well, you probably were there. I wasn't. Uh, verse 13 again. And they went and found as he had sent to them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come. Do you realize there was a certain hour to eat the Passover? Uh, there's a certain hour to kick these feasts off in the Old Testament uh, uh, Jewish faith. Uh, there's an hour for everything. And uh, here's the problem you have. Here, here's the biggest problem we have as people. Sometimes when it's an hour to confront evil, we just want to go, oh, just grace, grace, grace. And then when it's an hour to give grace, you just go in there with a sledgehammer and bust everything up. <laughs> Amen. Right? And you're like, I don't get what happened. Well, what happened is you weren't sensitive to God's timing on this. And sometimes it is a time to, to speak out, and sometimes it's a time to be silent. 
I've had to learn, honestly, as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, um, man, sometimes you just got to listen. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes you don't have to have an answer. You ever met the one-uppers? You know, I, I caught a fish. Oh, but mine was this big, you know. You know, uh, I, I went into labor, you know, for 20 hours. I was in labor for 47 hours straight, okay? <laughs> you know, like, like just sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just got to listen, right? W- the problem is, I think this is the issue. The reason why Jesus was able to do this is because he was filled with the Spirit of God. And when you're filled with other stuff, you can't be filled with the Spirit of God. And when you're not filled, listen, you can be saved and not filled with the Spirit. He's in you. He resides there, but you're not filled with him. And when you're not filled with him, you are not spiritually sensitive about what's going on. You're not seeing things from an eternal perspective. You can't sense what hour it is. Uh, l- listen, there have been people that, uh, I, you know, you go to a, you sit down and watch a movie, you know, with someone, they've watched it before, and they go, this is my favorite part. You know, and you're like, okay, I got it, all right, you know. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, can you please stop? Oh, but the ending where she dies is the worst. Shut up! You ruined it for everybody else. You know, well, it's like you're completely unaware of where you're at in time, right? We have not watched it yet. Let us enjoy it. You need to be sensitive, listen to me, to God's timing. It does matter. Now, throughout the gospel, and I'm not going to go to all the verses, but there's a number of times that Jesus says, my, mine hour's not yet come. It's not yet time. Mine hour's not yet come. He does that for a reason to let them know, look, when it's time to reveal who I am, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to do it ahead of my Father's calendar. Uh, look, if you would, at Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Isabella, I, if we had gambled on that this morning, you would have won the bet. Uh, this morning, she goes, Dad, uh, you're spending a lot more time on getting Sunday school ready, and, you know, we got to... We got to get going. I said, look, uh, God gave this to me, and I, I just, this is what I'm going to be teaching on this morning, and I'm not going to get to everything that I prepared. There's no way. So I apparently was off on my time. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, look if you would at verse number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 11. He hath made everything beautiful. What are the next three words? I'm going to be very PG about this, okay? The physical act of marriage is a beautiful thing. If you do it out of order, you can defile something that God meant to be beautiful. Does that make sense? All right. Um, Listen, there are things that God will make beautiful, but he'll make them beautiful in his time. Let me me give you another application of that. Whatever you're facing today, and you go, how will I ever? I just, I know a lady who... uh, her husband, this is a sad story, her husband was in ministry and uh, broke the trust of his family, and he's completely out of the picture now, gone. You got this pastor, former pastor's wife and children, and they had their first Christmas by themselves. You say, how was that? How'd that feel? Empty and broken. A year later, she's saying, now I can look at the tree and I can smile. Well, what, what was the difference? Time. Time was the difference. You see, some things are not beautiful right now. They're beautiful in time. If I'm being honest, everyone has a, that has a baby, and obviously this is on my mind right now, everyone that has a baby, 
they're, they're completely oblivious to the fact that when they first pop out, they look like little aliens. <laughs> you know, like, you know, but you look at your baby, oh, so beautiful, you know, and someone brings you an ugly baby, they're like, isn't this, isn't this beautiful, isn't she just beautiful? That sure, is, she sure is something, amen, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's how you have to respond to that, by the way, all right? Don't, don't comment and make them sound like aliens and all that, but, you know, but in time, that kid grows up, and man, a beautiful child. Now, the idea is this. <laughs> You're like, that's a terrible illustration. I think all babies are beautiful. Well, after about two weeks, they get there, man. But then when they first come out, they're kind of shrivelly, you know. And Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the idea is this. If you allow time to go by, there are some things that, that don't appear beautiful that will be. I don't know what everyone here is going through. But some of you are going through some deep things. Some of you have experienced losses, big losses. And you, it's hard for you to imagine how any of it could be beautiful. But all I can tell you is this, in his time, it can be. In his time, it can be. I, I remember Pastor Paul Ianello, my pastor in Tennessee, when his wife, Miss Pam, was suffering from cancer, brain cancer. And, uh, I mean, you talk about, like, healthy exercise every day. You know, if it's green and comes out of the ground, she ate it, you know. Um, and just, I mean, vitamins and all, just, just a healthy lifestyle. Um, and uh, got cancer. And within a year, she was, she was gone. And I'll, I'll never forget watching my pastor go through that. And uh, it taught me a lot, a lot. There were some sad things in there. Church people don't always understand when their leader's hurting how to respond. And so there were a lot of people that just couldn't, it's almost like they couldn't imagine, here's this strong guy who's never out of the pulpit, always there, and now he's broken. And some of those people, without meaning to, took fiery darts and chucked them at him and hurt him for a long time. And I remember watching go through that, and around a year after that, we were getting ready to leave and come here, and I just, I felt very broken and, and conflicted because I felt bad leaving my home church with all that going on and coming here, but I knew this is where God wanted me. I knew it was the right time. And I remember thinking to myself, can, can, Lord, can you, can you restore him? And to see him today in the ministry, in the pulpit, firing away, it blesses my soul. Amen. And he's been a blessing to me. You know what it took, though? Listen to me. It took time. Some of you need to slow down. Because when you go through hard things, you grieve, and, and you need to go through that. I'm not a psychologist, not going to pretend to be, you know, doctor, snuff and brush or whatever here and try to tell you I know everything about your mind. But I know this much, if you try to rush that and just keep yourself busy all the time and you miss the opportunities to just slow down and let God minister you and heal, you know what happens eventually? Eventually you break down. What you need to do is let things be beautiful in His time. He says, mine hour is not yet come. Let me ask you this. When he's hanging on the cross, what beauty is there in that? In that moment, none. It says he had no beauty that we should desire him. But 2,000 plus years later, oh, there's a lot of beauty in it. Look around this room. You are an example of God's redemption because of what he did 2,000 years ago. You, you know, you didn't see the beauty in the moment. You see the beauty over time. I'll give you one more thought, and I'll, I'll be quiet. We'll be done and, and have a break and, and get ready for a morning service. When me and my wife left Bolivia, South America, and most of you know the story, we didn't really have a plan B. 
Uh, we had sold whatever we had, and we thought, okay, we're going to live here forever and retire and, you know, just live in Bolivia. That was the idea. That was the plan. And I think you ought to approach any time you enter into a ministry like that, you ought to approach it that way. But, uh, and by the way, uh, you know, some of you may not like hearing this. I plan on dying here. So you're like, oh, man. Uh, but I, I do. I, I, I believe this is where God wants us. But I, I remember um, when we had to leave Bolivia. And I thought to myself, God, how could this ever be a good thing? Like, this, this hurts really deeply. And I feel broken and I'm depressed. And Christians, they come and they shake my hand and go, praying for you, bro. And I just want to punch all of them in the face. <laughs> you know, like, leave me alone. And um, then I, I, I stand here this morning, I look at all you guys. And if it wasn't going through those things, we wouldn't, our family wouldn't be here, literally. And, and it, 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 I won't go through all the series of events that took place to get us here. What I'm getting at is this. Sometimes, sometimes it takes time. And you, you need to maybe slow it down. Um, you might need to, if you're just sitting too long, remember that if God's leading, it's time to get up. Either way, you need to know there's a timeline for your life. And he'll make everything beautiful in his time. Let's go ahead and close. Let's all stand and uh, have a word of prayer. And we'll meet back here at 11 o'clock. And it was uh, also, I'll just throw this out there, a treasure. Uh, Jimmy Baker here from, uh, he's in Bible school in Florida.